Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and yes, it is that time again. The Stoop is back right here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Ragus, and alongside me every Monday and Thursday night, you know who he is, the man who needs no introduction, my buddy the shark, Jeff Perini. What's going on, man? What is up? Everybody, happy Thursday, a thirsty Thursday. I'm getting into it, as you know, and I'm happy to be back. And it feels like a while since we've uh, been here, but we had a killer show the last time out and uh, ready for a, another big one. Absolutely. It's going to be a great, great show tonight. But before we get to tonight's guest, let's thank last week's two guests, and that's the legendary Keith Shockley of the iconic rap group Public Enemy and producer, writer, and really good friend of ours here at The Stoop, Ian Holt, for joining us. Uh, we were talking about Public Enemies and Ian's new documentary coming out real soon. Cannot wait for that, as well as Ian's newest movie, Unhinged, that he's in the middle of producing right now. So we want to thank those two guys for taking a time out of their schedule. And it was a phenomenal, phenomenal interview, Jeff. We had a real good blast with Keith and Ian. Such a good time, and uh, you like getting a couple guys on. Uh, seems like whenever we get like a couple guests at once, it always turns out to be a great show. And uh, like the guys from Royal Bliss were great, and uh, yeah, last week was just great. Keith and Ian were feeding off each other. Some great inside stuff, and uh, real exciting. I'd love to have them guys back after the documentary uh, takes off, and we talk to them some more. Absolutely, and we definitely will have Keith and Ian back. And who knows, maybe coming along with Keith and Ian could be Chuck D, could be Flavor Flav. Could be for Pre- uh, P- uh, Professor Griff. It could be anybody from Public Enemy as well. The invites are there. They are always welcome back here. Great, great show. Thank you to those two guys. But tonight, our guest, we will be joined by actor Peter Cambor. If you don't know him, you may know him as Nate Getz on the hit CBS show, C- uh, NCIS Los Angeles, or Grace and Frankie on Netflix. He's also in that show as well. But tonight, we're going to be talking mainly about his new show. And this is a great show. It's on Showtime. It's called Roadies, and he plays a character named Milo, and it's about a bunch of roadies that are helping out bands. So we're going to really dive into that. We're going to find out more about the new show, and then we're going to talk to him about his acting career. We're going to talk to him about some music, and i got to ask him about his beard. It's an epic beard. So we're going to talk to Peter in just a little bit at about 8 p.m. So just at the top of the hour, he'll be here. But for now... And what we always love to do here at the Stoop, it's top five time. And before we get into our top five, we usually do some points of discussions right after the top five. But we're going to take our first little tidbit at the uh, point of discussion list. I'm going to move it right up to the top. And our top five is in tribute to this man. He's the late, great Gary Marshall who just passed away just a couple of days ago. Uh, he, seriously, if you didn't grow up in the last 30, 40, 45 years and you don't know who Gary Marshall is, you're lost. Gary Marshall is a legendary writer, producer, director, and actor. Um, His sister uh, is Penny Marshall from the hit show Laverne and Shirley, which Gary Marshall uh, had his hand in as well. So tonight our top five list is in tribute to the great Gary Marshall, and it's our top five favorite Gary Marshall projects. It could be something that he wrote. It could be an episode of something he he wrote or produced or directed, or even a movie or television show that he acted in. So, Jeff, as always, we're going to kick it off with you, my friend. All right, terrific, and um, once again, a, a sad loss of Gary Marshall, a tremendous talent, and uh, my top five, no tie tonight, going right with five, and uh, number five, Gary Marshall Project, the movie Beaches. Um, I know it's kind of a uh, guilty pleasure. Beaches was a tremendous movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know I know. it's hard to say. It's a movie that's legendary. Everybody knows it. Everybody has seen it, and if you don't cry during Beaches, uh, you're not human. And that's a big one, number five, uh, Gary Marshall, uh, one that maybe – not a lot of people remember him for, but a good movie. Beaches at number five. Number four, as we just mentioned, the show with his sister Penny, at, at Laverne and Shirley. Just an excellent show. Uh, two working-class girls in Milwaukee living in the basement. Uh, Laverne and Shirley. and uh, Who didn't love uh, that show back then? Lenny and Squiggy. It's a classic comedy show. Loved it. That's number four. Number three, the movie Pretty Woman. And um, this was an excellent movie. Richard Gere was great in it. Julia Roberts as the... Uh, cleaned up prostitute, if you will, and, uh, you know, just a terrific movie. I, I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, every woman I've dated has loved this movie, so it's always been on in my face, and uh, just a great movie. Number three, Pretty Woman. Number two, um, for me, it's a pretty big one. I watched it safely, The Odd Couple. Um, a good storyline. Uh, polar opposites become roommates, and uh, 
it's just funny. You get the uh, kind of sloppy man man, and he uh, mixed in with the over cleanly kind of anal retentive guy. Just a great show. And uh, number one for me, this is easy all day long. It's Happy Days. Huge Happy Days guy, the Fonz, and Richie and Ralph and Potsy. And if you grew up around that time, like John said, you had to be a Happy Days fan. I mean, it was just the greatest show. So much about it. Funny. Set back in the 60s and the, or the 50s. It, it just just terrific show. I loved Happy Days. That's my uh, top five. It's a great, great, great list right there, man. I mean, you can't really go wrong with anything Gary Marshall did. But my top five is a little bit different. Number five, the movie Overboard, which he directed with uh, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, one of my all-time favorite movies, one of those movies you can always watch and you just never get sick of. Number four, Mork and Mindy. If you grew up on Mork and Mindy, of course, it's going to make your list in any genre you think about, but tonight it makes it at number four. Number three, The Odd Couple, like you just said, great show. Probably one of the best that was on TV. Tony Randall, Jack Klugman, it it was just an all-around amazing show. Number two, the movie A League of Their Own. He was an actor Great. in it. This was a movie that his uh, sister directed, Penny Marshall. Um, seriously, these are, this is another movie that you have to go and say this movie was done flawlessly. It was perfection. And yeah. Gary Marshall as Mr. Harvey, the chocolate man, um, you know, he had a nice part in it. It was a good part. He acted it well. And his his acting always stood out to me in this movie because – he was a very good actor. I mean, he was in Hocus Pocus. I mean, he was in so many different things. And he was always good. He was always good. Uh, and number one, Happy Days. Um, you have to go with Happy Days. To me, this is, this is the uh, creme de la creme of the Gary Marshall crop, um, I would like to say. And I think Happy Days is probably the greatest thing Gary Marshall has ever done. And he's done a lot of great things, Jeff. But I really got to go with Happy Days here. So... We have a tie there at number one with Happy Day, so let's uh, run through the list real quick here. Uh, Jeff's top five, number five, Beaches, number four, Laverne and Shirley, number three, Pretty Woman, number two, Odd Couple, number one, Happy Days. For me, number five, the movie Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, uh, number four, Mork and Mindy, number three, The Odd Couple, two, A League of Their Own, and one, Happy Days. And then on that note, rest in peace to the late, great Gary Marshall. Um, thank you for so many amazing amazing pieces of work in television and in movies and we have that to always look back on till the end of our days jeff and uh i'm sure we're going to be watching so many things that gary had his hand in produced directed wrote and even starred in um for the rest of our days man yeah absolutely i'll look back at gary marshall stuff and happy day still runs and uh, so does laverne and shirley on uh, i believe it's me tv and uh i still watch it still laugh. I still love the Fonz and uh, Gary Marshall stuff. When you look at the list, even a league of their own, I said overboard was probably number six for me. That was on the edge and uh, just great stuff, man. Legend. And uh, the guy we're going to miss. And uh, he really, uh, really made his mark. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So rest in peace to uh, Gary Marshall. And as well, um, you know, we have to send out a shout out to uh, the late great Bill Cardiel. Uh, Pittsburgh TV legend hosted the show Chiller Theater for so many years. Um, he passed away today at the age of 87 from his house. I'm friends with his uh, with his daughter Lori, who wrote uh, just a, just a beautiful Facebook post um, about him uh, passing away at home and uh, how he was at peace and he was he was good. He knew it was his time and he was just happy to be surrounded by his family and he loved all the letters coming in from the fans. Um, so once again, uh, you know, rest in peace to Bill and Gary. Um, Two legends, you know, two television and, uh, you know, two movie legends right there, man. So, uh, you know, the, the legendary guys are all going, man. It's it's a shame, um, but it happens, and that's uh, life, unfortunately. And it also uh, puts into perspective, man, that not only these great, amazing, talented people leaving us, Jeff, but it also shows us that our generation is coming to that forefront, man. Yeah, definitely changing, and uh, you hear it. And uh, music, and we were talking about that the other day. We are uh, talking about just some songs and songs mm-hmm. now here on um, Classic Rock 102.9 here in Philly. You're like, Classic Rock, this song? I, I went to high school with this song. And then you realize uh, <laughs> I've been almost 30 years, man. So, yeah, it, it changes. It changes right before you real quickly. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing too because I was on Facebook the other night. My wife was sitting next to me, and uh, you know she loves the movie Clueless. And uh, I saw this post. And I said, "Hey, guess what?" I said, "The movie Clueless came out 25 years ago today." And wow. was I a fan of the movie? Nah, not really. I like Alicia Silverstone, but at the same time, it's man. Clueless came out 25 years ago. I remember the trailer. I remember it being in a movie theater. I remember everybody walking around as if, as if, as if. I can't believe that was 25 <laughs> years ago, Jeff. It's 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 insane. It's absolutely it's insane, hard, man. It is hard to believe. It's like I watched it. You know, it seems like I would just watch it yesterday. I've seen it a few times. I think we've had this talk before how it's a guilty pleasure movie of mine, and I liked it, but I can't believe how how long ago it was. I mean. Brittany Murphy has passed, and Stacey Dash has matured and now speaking out and strangely about political stuff. And very political, <laughs> yeah. very political. The uh, the gorgeous Stacey Dash. <laughs> she is gorgeous. I'll give her that. Yes. So anyway, all right, man. Well, before we get to our guest, uh, Peter Campbell will be joining us in uh, about 19 minutes or so. Um, we got to ask you this, man, Jeff. I know. Uh, we didn't have a show last week. I wasn't here. Um, I had to take care of some personal business. But you had the time of your life Thursday night at the Guns N' Roses concert, man. How is that? Tell us a little bit about it. It was absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to tell you. It's something I waited my whole life for. Everybody talks about the bucket list. And seeing Guns N' Roses was on that list. Uh, you know, the, the essentials were a Duff Slash Axel, of course. And uh, the show was phenomenal. It came on stage at 10 o'clock. Some people in the crowd started grumbling, oh, here we go again. But now nah, that's over. And I'm telling you why it's over, because it seems like we have a new and improved Axel Rose. Axel was out there, and he was smiling, and he was laughing, and he was having a good time. He even apologized to the crowd, and he said, you know, thanks for being here. If you weren't here, I wouldn't be surprised, because I was not a nice guy. I was a mean guy for years, but now I'm back. And uh, really embraced it. I mean, his, his voice is 55 years old, but it's a great 55. The guy... Still cranks it out. They played hard. They played one hard song, one slow song, kind of back and forth to level out Axel and, and kill it. And at the end with Paradise City, it was a fireworks display, man. It was magical. They were cranking it. It was amazing. It went on close to 1 o'clock in the morning here in Philly, and uh, I got home about 2.30 in the morning, and I have been playing Guns N' Roses sets ever since. Just phenomenal. Well worth it. Very nice, man, because I remember the last time I even saw them do anything live, that was uh, when they were just about to release Chinese Democracy, and Axl Rose came out on stage, and he sounded like pure garbage, dude. So I'm glad, for your sake, after spending good money to go there, that it was a great concert. I heard some really good things about it. Um, would I go see Guns N' Roses? Probably not, man. And somebody asked me this the other day. We were talking about, you know, what concerts would you go to if somebody got back together? And they said, well, what about Guns N' Roses? They were great. They were great. I don't know if I would go put money in Axl Rose's pocket, man. I really don't think I could. I mean, I get why people are going to see him, and I, I'm glad you went and enjoyed it. I just don't think I could put money in Axl Rose's pocket, man, after all the crap he put people through, including his fans, man. Yeah, there was there was so much. And like I said, he... Uh poked fun of himself, he poked fun with the security, and, you know, like, he just remembers everything he did, and it did make a lot of people not like him, and I even said, I went to see Guns N' Roses, and I'm like, ah, oh, screw Axl Rose, and I got news, man, he, uh, still a big-time entertainer, and I know the stuff he was putting out with this other band, and, and guys like Buckethead, and, and crap like that, it wasn't Guns N' Roses, it almost seemed like he half-hearted it, and he really didn't care what it sounded like as long as people were going, this time yeah. it seemed like he practiced, he worked at it, Little slimmer. He's still. He's not big fat Axel like everybody jokes about. He's, you know, <laughs> you know he's a fifty-something-year-old guy. But um, if you don't treat yourself to Slash Live and Duff Live, you know, and it, they're just phenomenal. Great musicians. Brought it like you're listening to a CD, and you know, yeah, just tremendous. Worth it to me. I mean, it's not everybody's thing, but worth the trip. And I could say I did it now, and I could cross it off the list. And uh, hopefully, next up for the bucket list is Black Sabbath next month, and uh, I'll keep you posted. There you go, man. That's awesome, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of great concerts, man, October 11th at the Sands, I am going to the Megadeth World Tour. It's my third time yeah. seeing Megadeth in the last couple of years, man, at the Sands. And I am ecstatic, dude. I'm jealous. I've never seen Megadeth live. I don't know why. I love their stuff. Um, Get a ticket, I watch, man. Uh, They're still selling tickets. It's still available at the Sands, dude. Get a ticket. You meet us there. We'll hang out. Have a good time, dude. 
Sounds like a winner. I really should. I watch uh, a lot of times. I go on TV and uh, my smart TV, and I put on YouTube, and uh, they have a Guitar Center Live. It's bands playing at the Guitar Center Theater, and um, Megadeth does Symphony of, for Destruction. Yeah, and it's so it is amazing because it's like they're kind of doing it like not quite big concert anthem thing, but it's still dead on and perfect. It's just such a great song, and they're a great band. Talented from top to bottom. Let me tell you, they're one of those few bands that sound exactly like they do on an album. They yeah. really don't need a filter, man. And and listen, for everything anybody could say about Dave Mustaine, he's a phenomenal musician. He's a great writer, a great lyricist. And let me tell you, his voice kills it, man, still to this day, man. <laughs> and, and this coming from a guy who's seen so many bands, has seen Metallica so many times, who would never see Metallica again, I will go till the day Megadeth completely drops off the face of the earth to a concert. That's how great of a show they uh, put on. And and this is going to be a good one, man, because every time we go, they always have some good bands coming on. And the last time it was four bands. It was uh, it was Megadeth, Suicidal Tendencies, Children of Bodom, and Havoc. Now on this tour, it's going to be Megadeth, Amon Amarth, which I'm dying to see, this uh, Swedish death metal band from uh, yeah. from Tumba. They're, they're just insane. Havoc is back with them again. Hopefully they play a longer set. Suicidal Tendencies is back with them again, which I'm which I'm freaking out about because I loved them watching them the last time with Dave Lombardo on the drums. And now Metal Church, which is a group not many people know about. They've been around since about 1980, but they've broken up a few times, and now they're back. So, man, I get to see five bands that night. And, Jeff, you should be able to see those five bands as well, man, and I think you need to go. Yeah, Megadeth, uh, like I said, that's on the list. Uh, Suicidal Tendencies is on the list, so that would be uh, gotta be a hell of a time. Uh, a little bit of a ride, it, but you know, sometimes it's worth it. That would be worth it. Hey, it's worth it, man. You take the day off the next day, and you come and you hang out with us, man. I'm going to send you the links tonight, man. I'm going to bother you until you get a ticket. <laughs> well, I'm going to twist my arm. I may have to get a ticket. I think uh, we we go. We take some uh, f- uh, you know Facebook video and we put it up on the stoop. Facebook site, you and I, I hanging out, listening to some great tunes, man, and maybe we'll talk to some people there, push the stoop. It's good times, man. Good times. I like it. I, uh, you know, if I'm there, maybe I'll have a beer. Oh, no, you'll have a beer. You'll have a beer. All right, man, let's uh, let's stay with the music trend, man. We got to get on this, man, because I would love to go see them. Uh, they're going to be in Philadelphia in November. Don't think I'll get to do it. But the Temple of the Dog reuniting after 25 years for a very short tour, man. What do you think about that, man? When Temple of the Dog came out, members of Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, members of Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder, their big, big hit was Hunger Strike. It was a good album. And then that was it. One album, one and done, Temple of the Dog, one of probably the greatest supergroups ever ever to be put together and disband super quick, are back together for a tour. Were you a fan, and would you go see them? I would love to go see this. I was a big fan. I never saw Pearl Jam or Soundgarden live either. I'm a concert guy, but I've never seen them. And one of my absolute favorite songs, and everybody loves Hunger Strike, but Say Hello to Heaven I was the yes. opener on that album. And that is an mm-hmm. awesome song, and it's just, the concert has got to be phenomenal. You would assume they'd mix in a little bit of their own band stuff, maybe a little Pearl oh, Jam. Oh, yeah, maybe some little, Soundgarden, yeah. some Pearl Jam. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, Cornell and Vetter together on tour has got to be phenomenal. This is one I'm going to make a pretty solid attempt to get to. Uh, I, have a theater, man. I, I can't believe how many people, as soon as this link came over, all over it. So it's going to be a popular show. Probably going to sell out fast. The Tower Theater is fantastic. I'll give you a little show rundown real quickly. Uh, if you get to the Tower Theater... Get there early up in Upper Darby. Treat yourself to Pika's Pizza, P-I-C-A-S, Pika's. Um, Pika's made famous by uh, no, made famous by uh, Jimmy Fallon. Actually, had some on his show. Tina Fey brought it. And uh, Pika's in Upper Darby. Get there for some pizza and a beer or two, and then head up to the Tower Theater. That is an amazing night, and I am pretty sure I'm going to put that on the list and try to get there. Is that is that Pikachu from the Pokemon Go game? Not close. It's uh, Pika, P-I-C-A-S, Pika's Pizza. Been around uh, for about 80 years. Pika, Pika. Very nice, man. (laughs) Hey, who knows, man? Maybe we'll get some tickets for Temple of the Dog, and we can go and hang out and listen to some Temple of the Dog, man, and we can be kids again. I love it, man. I'm, 
they said a second name, and like everybody, they sing Hunger Strike, everybody's going to go nuts. But for me, if I'm there, when they uh, crank out Say Hello to Heaven, that little guitar lead, and I'm going to go berserk. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely, dude. All right, man. Uh, let's go into a little bit of sports real quick. We good okay. with that? All right, I like good that. We're going to go with that. <laughs> go a little MMA, man. So we know Brock Lesnar pretty much beat Mark Hunt, UFC 200, big deal. Then it comes out that he failed the doping test. Then it comes out again that he failed the doping test the second time, taking the same day of the UFC 200 bout. My question to you, Mr. Perini, should he have to give back the money he was paid to fight, and should he forfeit that win? Should absolutely positively forfeit the win. Um, as far as giving back the money, that's never going to happen. Um, that's a contract that's written, unless it's stipulated in the uh, contract now. The thing you got to do, and you're going to get me fired up with this, so I'll keep it brief. Um, no, nah, man, fire it up, man, fire it up. Got to start getting some goddamn jail time. Doping is illegal. Cheating in sports is illegal. Taking drugs to enhance your performance in anything is illegal. I don't care how cute it is, or oh, it's a mistake, or hey, you know how much better the athletes are. Whatever, it's illegal. Let yep. Brock Lesnar sit in some kind of prison for six months. For starters, six months, um, like these athletes that juice. Six months mandatory in jail, no salary, no money, no earnings, no contact to the outside world. Let's see how that changes the doping procedure because it is ridiculous. And a guy that's massive as Lesnar, who can make tons of money in WWE and can beat half the world in MMA, he's a pretty bad dude. Yeah. What is he doping for? What's he getting? It's ridiculous. It's amazing, man. And you know what? Eh. I know you're saying it's illegal and all this other stuff, but then you look at guys like, and, and I hate to beat a dead horse all the time, but you you look at guys like Mark McGuire, you look at guys like Barry Bonds, and here are guys that have jobs in Major League Baseball after doing what they Unreal. did, Unreal. lying to poly, you know, lying to the government when they got involved. And then you got a guy like Pete Rose that can't get in. You know what I'm saying? That can't even get a job in a front office in Major League Baseball. And listen, I know Pete Rose can sometimes most likely be a pompous jerk, but at the same time, Barry Bonds was the biggest pompous jerk of them all. Probably bigger than Ty Cobb. And Ty Cobb's known <laughs> to be a real piece of work, man. And look at Barry Bonds. He's working as a hitting coach for the Miami Marlins now, man. And you hear nothing about it. You hear nothing about it. Just everything is silent. So what's going to happen to Brock Lesnar? Nothing's going to happen to Brock Lesnar. That's my opinion. I don't think anything is going to happen to him. What will happen to him is he'll probably get a bigger payday to fight at another UFC event in the near future. That's yeah, I guess the state of, he the, could, yeah. of the world we live in, dude. He could be a um, UFC trainer, I guess, like the way Bonds is being a hitting instructor. Like That's the other thing. Why the hell is Mark McGuire a hitting instructor? Uh, he's so bad at swings at a fastball and hits it 500 feet for a home run. That you know that that doesn't work for me. That's not a guy teaching anybody how to put a bat on a ball or slap it or hit it to the opposite field or anything of that nature. And here he is with a job, and they glorified. Hey, there's hitting coach Mark McGuire. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How many times in yeah. Barry Bonds' career, especially when his head size grew like 18 sizes? <laughs> There's a batter, excuse me, there's a runner on second or third. They're down by one run. How many times do you think Barry Bonds actually tried to hit a single and to move the runner into either into further scoring position or to actually tie the game rather than swinging and missing? <laughs> um, I'm going to look at my statistics and say probably zero. Uh, well, team he's, player. he's not a technical hitter. I mean... Listen, a guy like Joe McEwing, super utility guy, guy who could hit a single, guy who could hit a double, knew where to hit the ball, knew where to hit into the gaps, knew where to hit where there was people adjusted over. He's not a guy like Mark McGuire, man, who's just swinging for the fences, man, and that's all he's known for is swinging for the fences, swinging for the fences. And listen, that's good, man. You got a lot of guys that are still in Major League Baseball that are swinging for the fences. Giancarlo Stanton's one of them. But you know what's about Giancarlo Stanton? The guy can hit a single. He can. You know? He can and, and he will. I guess like he can and he will. If he has yeah. to, he will. And uh, who doesn't love 
a massive blast, and uh, who doesn't love a big home run? And Stanton's got the juice. The guy hits it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he crosses it. But, I mean, like uh, like I said, a hitting coach should be, like I said, a Joe McEwing. Um, Wade Boggs, there's a guy who knew how to put a bat on the ball. Uh, yeah, Don Mattingly. These guys were hitters. And it's nice yeah. every once in a while you might hit one out of the park, but, you know, you got to learn the all-around game of hitting. And uh, nobody did it like Tony Gwynn. And uh, you've seen Mark uh, through at the game. Yeah. Nobody can do it like those guys. Yeah. I mean, you, you go back, you look at guys like Paul Molitor, you look at Paul O'Neill from the yeah. Yankees. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, guys that could be an all-around hitter, man, have a good average in baseball. But we'll see what happens, man. All right, man. It's about uh, 7.56 here at the Stoop, and we'll be joined by our guest, uh, Peter Camborn, in just a little bit. But now we're going to talk Attack of the Reboots, man. Uh, now, let me ask you this, Jeff. Do you remember Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future? Vaguely. Did not watch it very often. Do remember hearing about it. Do remember mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Well, they're rebooting it. <laughs> and supposedly, they already have an entire cast for the new Captain Power. And let me tell you, it's intense. It's an really? absolutely intense cast full of a lot of no-names, man. Dolph Lundgren being one of them and being the show's wow. lead as Lord Dredd. I can see Scott that. Atkins, Scott Atkins, the martial artist, will be Captain Jonathan Powers. I mean, you know, these are names that are, are big in movies right now. Well, or we're big. Ruby Rose from Orange is the New Black, and everybody goes nuts for her. She's playing Corporal Jennifer Chase. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, who was in True Blood and is in the new um, Tarzan oh. movie, is playing Major Matthew Hawk Masterson. I mean, those are four pretty big names already. And then you got Jay Ellis as Sergeant Robert Scout Baker and Anthony Dell's Lieutenant Michael Tank Ellis. This was such a cool show, man. And it's nice to see that the original director is going to bring it back because there was a script for season two and they just couldn't get to it. So I'm kind of intrigued by this, man. If this could be done the right way, I think it could be good. What I don't think will be good is the reboot of Xena Warrior Princess, Lucy Lawless, <clears throat> so beautiful and just amazing in that role, yeah. just phenomenal. And then we go to a thing like Amazing Stories, one of the most amazing, brilliant television shows ever made. And they're going to try to reboot that now. And then you look at shows like Fantasy Island, that and hurts. that wants to be rebooted now. <laughs> We keep talking about this, Jeff, and, we, and we, we go back and forth on it. Something like Captain Power, to me, is intriguing because of what could be done with it. Something like Xena Warrior Princess, Amazing Stories, Fantasy Island. I don't think series like that can be touched again. I don't think they could be better than what they were because I think those series were phenomenal before. What do you think? And uh, You're kind of locked in, and you'll remember... Uh, Xena Warrior Princess and Fantasy Island. Um, Mr. Rourke is Ricardo Multibon. Every time you see him, no matter what he's in or what he was in, it's Mr. Yep. Rourke. And of course, tattoo. And now you know they're going to get a tattoo character, let's say. And it's going to be a midget and all this hype and hoopla is going to go along, uh, politically correct or incorrect, how wrong it is to have a midget. So that ruins that right there. And like you said, man, Lucy Lawless is and was. Xena Warrior Princess, and every time you see her, that's what comes to mind. So if you put somebody new yeah. in a role, it's it's not going to work for me. Um, amazing stories, maybe I could branch out and become something different. That's possible, but um, to touch Fantasy Island, that, that hurts, man. That, that's going to be really, really poor to me, and I just don't like the sound of it. And so I like Xena Warrior Princess, too. We all love her. If you didn't love Lucy Lewis, then... Uh, Something wrong with you. So that that's I'm not excited for any really any of this doesn't really excite me. I like the cast of Captain Power that you just read off me, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Listen, we see uh, listen the Ghostbusters new movie. We hear bad things about. We hear good things about. Um, you know the new Tarzan movie. We hear good things about. We hear bad things about. It's uh, it's intense to see what they're doing in television and movies these days, man. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly. Uh, what's going to happen in the near future with uh, all of these rumored reboots and all of these rumored uh, television shows and movies that they're trying to remake and bring back. So it'll be interesting, man. 
So guess what, man? It's about that time. We're going to be joined by our guest. And right now, joining us here on The Stoop is actor Peter Cambor from the new Showtime series, Roadies. Peter, are you with us? I don't think he's with us yet. I'm right here. Oh, how All you right. doing, Peter? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to uh, join us. And we finally got you on, so we're ecstatic, man. Yes, we are. Here we are. Ecstatic yeah. on this end as well. Great, man. So we'll we'll jump right into it, man. Uh, we, we, we really want to learn some more about Roadies. So you star as Milo on the new Showtime series, Roadies. Can you tell us a little bit about the show and the character you play in it? Yeah, so Roadies is sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the, uh, at the tour for a rock band, a fictional rock band called the State and House Band, and it's about all the sort of techs and Roadies that sort of make a show possible. And it's a real sort of under-the-hood, behind-the-scenes look. And I play Milo who is the bass tech for the bassist in the band. And Milo's kind of a technical wizard, sort of know-how, you know, multitasking guy who's also very sort of conspiratorial, paranoid, and uh, he's from New Jersey but thinks he's from England. So he's a sort of complicated and comedic character, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing you got the, uh, the English accent to go along with it, huh? I do, I do indeed, yeah. You know, it's funny, he goes in and out of it because people call him out on it sometimes. So it's, it's kind of an affectation. The storyline Cameron gave me was that he was with uh, Elvis Costello on tour before he joined this band. So it, when he was on that tour, he sort of adopted the will. And it's funny, it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's, it's a good comedic device, but you have to sort of make it real in your own way. So I kind of had this little backstory that Milo kind of, you know, he plays music himself and has a little roadie band and he secretly sort of wants to be on the stage. I think he sort of adopts the people's personalities he's around uh, whenever it sort of suits him best in some way. Yeah. Is this the first time that you're having to do an accent? Do you have like the Dick Van Dyke British accent or are you you pretty on spot with your English accent? (laughs) I'd say it's a little more like a Christopher Guest, like Nigel Spinal Tap sort of accent. There you go. You know, it's like, it's a little thing. You know, it's like a... (laughs) He's a little, you know, he's a little neuro- He's a little scared of everyone, so it's yeah. kind of it's a mix ridiculous, right? And then uh, it's not the first time I do an accent. Oddly enough, I was I was cast as like some like, you know, blue collar like Italian guy from New York on like an episode of something once, which is hysterical because it's like so not my vibe. And I was like, and you know, you get the parts like that. You go, you're going to be the leader of a crime family, like a, an Italian crime family from Brooklyn. You're like, what? Where did anyone get that idea? <laughs> But, uh, you know, you just do what you're told, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hilarious. All right, so now the cast on this show is absolutely phenomenal. So what's it like working with somebody like Luke Wilson and my personal favorite, Carla Gugino? Okay. Uh, Luke Wilson is exactly as you think. He's got this kind of great folksy sort of sensibility. We're both Texans, so we sort of have that. In oh, nice. But Luke is yeah. has, Luke has this unbelievable comedic sensibility that's just like, and he kind of draws you in at his own pace and kind of does his own thing. He just is like a one-liner, like one-liner after another on set. It's really funny because he's so sort of subtle and low-key, and he'll just drop these little bombs on you, and you're just like dying, laughing. And then you know, Carla is just like, as you, as her character is on it, she's just a total consummate professional and a real like, I don't know, just she's like a. She's like an Audrey Hepburn, like, kind of like vibe. She's just a classic all-time actress. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. And then Machine Gun Gun Kelly, uh, Colson Baker, who, like, one of my favorite takes from this whole show is getting to have a relationship with him. Because I I don't think in in any world, the world, in any other world, would our, like, lives have crossed paths. But he's become one of my, like, really, really close friends. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's this, like, really intense hip-hop star from Cleveland. And I'm, like, this, you know this kind of tall, beefy guy from Houston, Texas. And it's just really funny. That, like, I grew up listening to country music and like, here I am like hanging out with like a sort of like a, a totally like, you know, rock star hip hop dude. It's pretty cool. And everyone else is just <laughs> unbelievable. You know, our cold cast became a little bit like a family and that's kind of like what the show is about. It's a big part of it is how these guys get so close on tour and all that. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I wanted to ask you this. I know most people would probably know you as Nate Getz from NCIS Los Angeles, uh, you know, right off the bat as soon as they see your face. So 
How is it going from a show like NCIS to a show like Roadies? Is there like a difference in the way you have to handle things and in the way you act and you know present yourself on screen? Yeah, I think definitely. You know, the thing about doing something like NCIS LA is I've done that for such a long time, and mm-hmm. um, part of it is just like a, a show like that when you've been doing it for several years. Like, and those guys are unbelievable. The crew is so tight, the cast is so tight. Like, everyone kind of knows their stuff and its paces. So you kind of are going through it like you just kind of know it and you're expected to know it and you're supposed to know what your guy would do and know what your character would do and know how he'd react. So you're going through and you're just busting it out and everyone's just kind of like, you have your rhythms with your people. Like, I know people like Eric Christian Olsen and Chris O'Donnell and Daniela Rue and we have our rhythms and just all that's kind of been in place and you've each other for a long time. And whenever you're starting something new, you got to sort of find those rhythms. And especially with the character, like it takes... There's a couple of episodes to kind of figure out, like, oh, this is, okay, now I think I got what the guy is. So you're kind of like, everyone's kind of trying to figure out what everything is at first. And it's a really interesting, exciting time and show because, mm. you know, it, it becomes like this real, you're sitting there and you're sitting with Cameron Crowell and you're like, what do you think about this? And he's like, I don't know, what do you think about this? And you guys have to kind of come up with a thing together. And it's a real, like, you know, it, it's, it's very intense, but it's very creative and it's very just kind of, a living, breathing thing. So I guess that's the primary difference by virtue of it being something new. And then obviously the tone of the show is so different in the sense yeah. that it's kind of a comedy and it's more heartfelt. And like, you know, in CSLA, it is, you know, it is an action sort of show. So it's very much like, this is what's going on. We're driving the plot forward. We've got to get the bad guy. It's very kind of intense. You're dealing with like yeah. terrorism and like crime and everything like this. And this is obviously like, it's about important things, but it's definitely on the more lighthearted side. Very cool. So now we got to talk beards. I'm a beard guy. Jeff isn't a beard guy. He hasn't been able to grow a beard since probably he was about 14 years old. Um, I'm an old beard guy. That's an impressive stat. Yeah, isn't it? It's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, I was reading an interview um, about your beard, which is pretty funny, and you said in it that um, you had to grow a gigantic food-absorbing beard so my question to you is, is the itching finally over? Um, the itching has subsided, but I don't think the itching will ever be over. It's like a giant <laughs> rash on space. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's just like, and it, it's like it's a foreign part of me. It's like it's, it's like a different creature that needs to eat and drink and do its own. It has its own diet. You know what I mean? Basically, whatever doesn't make it into my mouth somehow gets taken in by the beard and will be there for, you know, weeks if not months on end thank god oh. you know i'm married i have somebody to uh make sure that that doesn't happen but it is kind of like i know it's like a baseball diamond you just kind of constantly have to be tending it so it's just perfect yes. and not a mess right absolutely man so now is it at that point where you kind of hope milo probably dies in a bus accident so you can shave it or is the show more important than the beard <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, please kill me off so I can shave my beard. Please, please, I'd prefer be unemployment than uh, having a beard. No, I reached that point. But I do keep dropping things. Like I'm like, what if Milo went like really like slick? Like what if he went down a kind of like you know young Beatles road or something like that? No, that was the thing. And of course that never uh, happens. You know, it's funny. Like the second week after I got this part. Cameron emailed me. He was like, I think you have a beard. And I'm like, you know, of course, what are you going to say? You're just like, Cameron Crow wants you to have a beard. You're going to have a beard. So, oh, but man. it's funny. You know, be... I, I, I like it. And it's, it's, it's fun because it's like, it's a totally different sort of vibe for me. And it's just, is, you know, I, I walk into like a gas station on like a road trip and everyone like is scared of you a little more than maybe before. So things like that are fun. You know what I mean? I'm 6'5 and with a beard, you'd immediately become like 6'10 and like another 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> well, and a lot hotter it's... too. So. Yeah, and, and warmer. Yeah, temperature wise. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, Who knows? Maybe on the next episode of uh, Roadies, or you know, down the line, they figure out. Well, you're you know thinking that you're English. You can be the next Simon Laban, and you can shave it and go your Duran Duran roots, man. It would be, it would be nice, but exactly, I don't think that's exactly. That. Yeah. <laughs> Duran oh, Duran roots. Yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> I read also that uh, you you play guitar, so. I was going to ask you before I read that, you know, were you really into music before you got onto a show like this? So, you know, I read that you play guitar and you play with a country band while you were in college. Is country the thing that does it for you? What kind of, you know, music are you into and what really pumps you up? 
Well, you know, when I, well, growing up, I was I, my dad was a big, big jazz and blues guy, and so I, my initial kind of entry into music was a lot of that. My, my first CD my dad bought me was like a Lightning Hopkins and like a Howlin' Wolf and like a Muddy Waters CD. Nice. So I had this really kind of like, and then also living in Houston, Texas, where I was like a stone's throw away from Austin, it's kind of all of that was really still kind of in its heyday. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan was still playing there. When I was in high school, we'd sort of drive over to Austin. Um, you know, South by had not become such a huge thing yet. So you could kind of go in and see like amazing bands and it didn't cost you an arm and a leg. Bands were just sort of playing everywhere. So just kind of mm-hmm. exposed to that scene. I think when, when I was first started playing guitar, like everyone in Houston, we all just wanted to be like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, and yeah. then as I sort of got older and got into sort of indie music and, you know, I think like grunge really was had a big influence on me and Nirvana and Pearl Jam. And then I think when I got to college, actually, like I started like you know in, in my kind of in a real way of coping with my homesickness from Texas. I went to college in Connecticut. I started mm-hmm. listening to a lot of Willie Nelson and all this music that I sort of heard growing up and Hank Williams. I like really really old country music and kind of a little more offbeat, kind of like outlaw country. And I think that really began to sort of affect the musical palette and then realizing that those guys were so sort of hand in hand responsible for and kind of very similar to people that I like, like Bob Dylan and you know, some stuff that the Rolling Stones are doing with their sort of a country experiments and that. So yeah. I think all mm-hmm. of that has been through that, but it really kind of, I guess we you would call it Americana now, but I just like that kind of bootsy country sound, you know? Yeah. So basically just a whole hubbub of a lot of things just, you know, mixed in. So that's pretty cool. Very nice. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it's, it's definitely. Yeah. Well, I, it, listen, I mean, it's good to be, I guess, eclectic in your taste, especially uh, being an actor. I mean, you have to do so many different roles and be so many different people. So it's so I'm guessing it's nice even on the music scene to, you know, to like so many different things and be open to it, right? Yeah, I think that, uh, that's a great way of putting it, actually, because I think that, look, every time you take up on a part, it's a little bit like going to class or something. You know what I mean? Like you have to go and investigate all aspects that that character would do. And you kind of are open to a whole other world. And it's a really exciting thing to go and do a kind of wide variety of parts because you learn all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, on Jazz LA, I learned all about occupational psychology. And like I met a guy who does my, who does Nate's job at NCIS. And that's like a really mm-hmm. interesting thing. He's like an expert in threat assessment. And he's, you know, the first guy on the scene whenever there's some huge thing happens he's like one of the guys who's there like how cool is that and then you know even if it's something like the other show i've done like you know the wedding band was a show i did on tvs and like you get to go and you know you guys who actually have that life you know who play in like wedding bands and stuff like that who play in like event plans and like that's a whole crazy world in and of itself and then so i think that definitely all that stuff definitely the eclecticness i just think you you begin to become a bit of a sponge and you sort of soak up the world around you as you move forward as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, going back to acting now, um, as we said earlier, you're, you know, you're working next to Luke Wilson and Carlo Gugino, and, and seriously, you've, you work next to a laundry list of amazing people from, uh, you know, Ella Cool J and Chris O'Donnell, the amazing and brilliant Linda Hunt, who I absolutely love, and then Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, which is, is, is absolutely amazing. Oh. Has there been that one person or that one actor or actress that you just couldn't believe you were working with and you got a little nervous around? Well, to be honest with you, the, that person's definitely my Cameron Crowe. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay. Like, growing up, I was so obsessed with, like, his stuff. Like, I just had, he had been sort of unknowing, unbeknownst to me on some level, like, you know, starting with Fast Times at Richmond High, saying anything, singles, and Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous, which is this whole line of movies that I just, kind of speckled my entire kind of upbringing from childhood to sort of adolescence into being a young adult. And mm-hmm. when I got the audition originally, I was sort of like, oh, this, you know, sometimes you get these auditions. And for me, I was like, well, this is never going to happen because I love new stuff and it never works out that way. Where like, you're like, oh, this guy's amazing. And I'm going to look out. And then, you know, when I met him in the audition, I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm actually like, meeting him now. And then it kind of went along and then you're, you're pinching yourself and you're like, you're on a show with him and he's coming up to me like, so what do you want to do in this scene? You're like, he's asking me what I want to do. I'm like, ah, like it's, just, it's one of those things you're just completely like starstruck. And like, he's just such a great guy too that it's such a strange thing because I, I find myself just completely like biting my tongue. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I'm like speechless. 
And Jane Fonda you definitely to an extent because, like, she was so, like, iconic. And then but she's so cool and her and Lily are so awesome. And they're kind of just these old school, like, actresses. And they tell great stories. And, you know, they're just, I don't know, they're just kind of badasses. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. you just kind of yeah, well, around them. And you just let them take their, you just follow their lead. You're like, yes, I will just follow you in the battle, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal show. I, I absolutely love that show. I watch it constantly, and I even keep re-watching it as I'm done with it. So now when you're doing roadies and you mess up a line or something happens, do you ever look over your shoulder, you know, over at Cameron and be like, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to disappoint him. I, use, I, usually, I usually curse profusively, hit myself <laughs> in the head, and just plow back into it. That's generally my – everyone has their own way of doing this. Yeah. Screwing up a line like that. So that's, that's definitely my way, and I'm just like, oh, God, let's just get through this. <laughs> Let's get through this day. <laughs> All right. So now, as an actor, and as you know, you know when you were coming up, and as an aspiring actor, what have you always wanted to do? Is there like a dream part you wish you can play, or someone you wish you can act alongside that would be like, you know, your just crowning achievement that you could say, well, now I've pretty much done everything. Oh wow. Great question, man. I, I guess there's a part of me that would love to be in that kind of like massive, epic, like battle scene or something. It's just kind of the boy in me. It's just that huge, like, you know, 10 cameras going. There's a point, they have to time it with the airplane coming overhead, and you're just doing some massive, there's like a, you know, a thousand people on like a field, and you're like a part of that thing. Because I think, it's the, the most exciting thing about filmmaking and making TV shows is like you're a part of this really large apparatus. And even as yeah. an actor, even though the focus is on us, you're just kind of a spoke in the wheel with all these guys. And there's like 150 crew on, you know, working in any given time on a, a roadie's day. And like just, but to have something of that scope where it's like, I mean, the feeling of accomplishment that must have been after shooting something like the opening to Saving Private Ryan, you know what I mean? Like something yeah. that massive. And like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the explosions and this, just being able, being able to have that notch on the belt of being like, wow, I was in the Lawrence of Arabia scene, or I was in the that to be in some iconic, massive scene would be just really exhilarating and just you know a great thing to sort of have on you know your resume. It's just like I did that in my life. I think that'd be super cool. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, would it be? a nice war scene like that guns and tanks, or would you go game of Thrones style, man, swords wielding and horses running? I mean, you know, what's, you know, what's guns, that I big thing you would like guns to do? And tanks are more my st- guns and tanks yeah. are definitely more my style. I appreciate yeah. the swords and everything like that, but I'd rather it be like, you know, on a horse, swinging a pistol or like in a tank in a Jeep. I don't know. Anything like that. Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. I know. It's just like that. That was a thing. Like growing up, he played, in Texas, you played like you were a soldier or something like that. There's some sort of, hmm. a lot of the action stuff is kind of based on these kind of childish fantasies you like to keep going. And I feel like glorifying of that, but just to like, you know what I mean? There's something about that. Like it's like the West, like I used to love spaghetti westerns and Clint Eastwood movies. Like that would be amazing. Like being a bad guy in a western would be great. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, I have to ask you this one. I was uh, on IMDb earlier looking at your profile, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm addicted to IMDb. So some of the stuff's good, some of the stuff isn't. But I read that you were filming a movie kind of based on uh, September 11th. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you how intense this movie is. Me, I'm from New York City. I lived through uh, September 11th. I was, you know, 15 minutes from the World Trade Center. And just wow. looking at the, you know, synopsis of this movie – it sounds intense. So how is it intense for you to do this movie, considering that I know you as well have some ties in New York since you lived there for a little bit? Yeah, I, I was in Queens. You know, I lived in Long Island City when it happened. So I was, you know, as, in New as York. As was I. As was I. Yeah, crazy. I was, I was nowhere near the buildings, but I was in Queens yeah. and, like, went outside and saw the whole mess. Yeah. So, so as, yeah. as you know, and being in New York and everything like that, it obviously, and that was the year I graduated from college. So I sort of moved oh, wow. to New York, and then immediately yeah. that sort of happened. So it was, it was a kind of a major sort of life moment, and yeah. you know, it just the whole world changed. I and mean, you're like 21 years old, and like just entering the world like that. So for me, what was you know the biggest take from it was how 
what it was like in the month or two months after, which I'm sure you remember, but just how frightening it all was. Absolutely. How wounded the city was, but also how strong the city was in the way in which it bounced back. But also just it was a really paranoid, like scary time. And I remember like I got on the subway and it just felt differently every time I was on the subway and I get into a really crowded subway cards and my adrenaline would spike up. So everyone just was a little on edge. Yeah. And this movie is very, very intense and it's you know, I think it it'll resonate now on some level just in the sense of you know the par- paranoia and all of that is in many cases justifiable and it's a human response and I definitely was paranoid then but you know to, to act upon that totally without you know judge or jury is a, is, a, is a dangerous kind of road to walk down and I think that the movie is about somebody who is very much affected by the attacks who then sort of yeah. takes justice into his own hands in a particular way and it's an interesting commentary and, I, and my, a friend of mine wrote it and he wrote it years ago it kind of makes sense that now is the time that it's getting made in some weird way that all that's kind of coming back up in a certain way. And like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't support any theories or anything like that. It's just kind of, yeah, what it yeah. is. but I just definitely remember, as you remember, like, you know, it was like, it was totally like crazy after that. Oh, it and was insane. Like, yeah. It was just insane. And in, in, in that, those two months were just unlike any other I've ever experienced. And yeah, just it was like a raw nerve. I remember, but I remember like things like I saw, like going into like a bar. It was the first baseball game after the thing happened, and like everyone in the yeah. bar, it was, uh, it was opening pick. Everyone in the bar stood up to sing the national anthem. Like shit that I'll never forget. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, great strength, and also you know the horrible loss and everything that happened too. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you were talking about the uh, you know the whole being on edge and everything. Um, were you living in New York in 2003 during that blackout? You know, I was in, I, I just moved out of town, and I remember when uh, I happened, my, yeah. my buddy's phone out, and yeah, so tell me about that. That must have been crazy. no, I was, no, I was I was gonna say because like you were saying on edge, and as soon as everything went out, I mean, I, I was driving down, uh, I was in Queens on Grand Avenue in Maspeth, and uh, we were driving down, and every single traffic light went out, and we went to the radio, and only very few radio stations were coming, and they were starting to say how we were under a terrorist attack, and they were hitting the, you know, you know, the nuclear plant on Indian Island, and doing and you know, everybody was freaking out because we didn't know where it was coming from, from what angle, whatever. So as you were saying that, you know, it's 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 weird. And not many people can realize that. I think you needed to be near it as you and I were and actually had, you know, to, you know, to have seen it in front of our face. But, it, man, just just the feeling of that, that's something that is, even when you talk about it today, it kind of comes back and you, you can kind of feel that feeling again. It, it was... It was a scary time. Well, I think it, was, the, it was a scary time. And I think the thing you're talking about, too, is that after that happened, and like the mm-hmm. craziness of us planes flying into the Trade Center, anything was possible after that. So yes. I remember 1010 Winds was broadcasting like everything they were getting on the police scanner in the days after the attack. And there were stories yes. about terrorists on the GW Bridge and all these mm-hmm. like, Remember there was like the, the 18 wheels on the GW Bridge with explosives. Yes. They were reporting everything. And at that point, you were like, well, it's completely possible. I just witnessed the most impossible thing ever to happen. So, and yeah. all bets are off. So as soon as you start hearing that, you're just like, you really, you were there for it. And stuff like that, mm-hmm. especially there afterwards, then you really could believe anything. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It, 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 it amazes me that not only were we both there, but we were both in the same town pretty much with our eyes right on everything happening. So that's a uh, small world. <laughs> small world. Yeah. Totally crazy, right? Here we are. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Small world. Well, listen, Peter, I, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your hectic schedule for jumping on here with us tonight and uh, talking about everything going on in your career. Uh, to our listeners, you can catch uh, Roadies on Showtime this Sunday with a new episode, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Times. Check your local listings. Peter, I would I would love to have you back on in the near future, man. Oh, my, it would be my pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you so you. much, Peter. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was actor Peter Cambor from Showtime's Roadies, man. Uh, awesome guy. Really enjoyed speaking with him, Jeff. I'm blown away that we were in the same place during 9-11, man. Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, like I said, small world. You never know who's out there. And uh, good stories. I'm dying to see this show. I have not checked out Roadies yet. But I'm going to, and, of course, I've seen him on the NCIS. And um, you see that face. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And uh, really good. Real talented actor. Good stories. And... Uh, Great interview. It's great having them all. Yeah. I, I, I'm dying to see it. 
I have Showtime. Unfortunately, it's on too late for me because little guy keeps me up all night, so I try to go to bed a little bit early to get him to sleep, uh, my wife and I. But that's really no excuse because now we have the Showtime app on our Roku box. So you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to watch Roadies tomorrow. I'm going to watch whatever episodes are on there. Sounds like a phenomenal show. Like I said, I really love Peter Cambor's acting. I'm a big fan of his from NCIS Los Angeles, and I love him as Barry on Grace and Frankie, which we were just talking about with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda on Netflix. So I'm really looking forward to this, and I'm just a monster fan of Carla Gugino. Seriously, she's she's a phenomenal actress, and she's absolutely gorgeous, man. I, I've always loved Carla oh, Gugino, man. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I love her, too, and everything she's done. She's gorgeous. Um, terrific. So I got to say, it sounds like a great cast. And uh, he even said that he was on um, Wedding Band. Didn't last long. Yes. It was a short series. And, uh, wow, I didn't I didn't even realize. I, I saw two episodes of it and never even realized that was him on there. But uh, pretty well, good stuff. He's very diverse. He's got a lot of uh, good history and a uh, good list of stuff mm-hmm. he's in. So he's worth a watch. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, definitely check him out. Yeah. Do, do you remember... Who he was on Wedding Band now? Is his face no, kind of... Um, no, he played no, Eddie on Wedding Band. Uh, him and uh, Brian Austin Green, who played Tommy, were the uh, two stars right. of the uh, yeah. of the show. Didn't and I remember one. watching it, too. No, it didn't. I think it was only one season, unfortunately. It was actually pretty good. I think, you know what? I think there's a lot of shows that come on TV that last only one, epi- uh, you know, one season. I think sometimes it's just the wrong network and at the wrong damn time frame, man. Yeah, the um, TBS you know, made-for-TV ones are always tough. They they just don't survive. And uh, some of the TV land stuff, too. Like I said, it's got to get – it doesn't get the big three networks or big four networks. It's got a you know tough chance. And uh, it happens to some good stuff, some shows we like. And I, I think we talked about it before, um, like HBO's Lucky Louie, Louie C.K. That was a tremendous show. And um, it was on HBO one season. It was hilarious. It was totally dysfunctional, but it didn't make it. It didn't survive a second season. No, but now you got Louie now, which is a phenomenal show, and it's found its way to a network that it's better suited for, and it's still going. And it's absolutely funny, man. I love Louis C.K., man. We got to get him on here one day. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> well, the tale is getting better and better, and uh, we love it. We, you know, welcome some call-ins, and we welcome guests, and uh, – we actually have a few um, PR people contacting us about their celebrities, and uh, we're getting them. We're like getting ready to start following in some September's, and we're already in mid-July, so uh, rolling along, man. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, good, good stuff, and we're going to actually promote some of our upcoming guests right now here on the Stoop uh, Monday, and this is a show I've been looking forward to. Actress Diane Franklin, yes, Monique from Better Off Dead is going to be with us right here Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And I just was talking to her about 10 minutes ago, confirming Monday night via Facebook. She is just the sweetest, sweetest person. Um, Cannot wait to talk to her. And I am going to ask her to say my name and talk to me with her French accent because (laughs) who didn't fall in love with possibly having a foreign French exchange student? As a possible girlfriend, man, back in the day. And it was because of Diane Franklin in the movie Better Off Dead. So she'll be here Monday night, uh, July 25th. And then on July 28th, that Thursday, next week as well, musician Erica Chase will be here. And we get to listen to her latest single, Paris. On August 4th, uh, actress Erin Hayes from Kevin Can Wait, the new CBS show with Kevin James. Uh, She plays his wife. She is absolutely awesome. Can't wait to have her on here right here August 4th. July, uh, excuse me, August 11th, we'll be joined by musician Eddie Mann. And he hails from your part right here, man, in Philadelphia, Jeff. Loving it. Can't wait for that. Uh, local guy and local guy making good. Got some good stuff, kind of uh, perused some of his music. And uh, I like what I hear. It'll be exciting having yeah. him here. Absolutely. And then August 25th, we'll be welcoming back a former guest and a really good friend of our show. And she's going to be calling once again all the way in from England, and that is Lilith from Lilith and the Night, and I think a little birdie told me we're going to debut their brand new EP first time right here on the Stoop, man. That'll be fantastic. We uh, we gave uh, their music the American debut last time, and uh, a lot of people I talked to, a lot of my friends, uh, 
and people I work with and all mention her and see how, how beautiful she is and how talented she is. Tune in, man. This girl and this band, they've got it, and they've got to become huge, and we need your help to make them huge. And uh, the stoop, uh, she kind of calls it her uh, official home here in the USA. And uh, we love having her, and I am beyond excited. It's about a month away, but I am totally amped up for uh, another dose of Lilith and the night and some new music. Yep, it's going to be some good, good stuff. And it's all going to happen right here on the stoop. And you can always listen to tonight's show and our past shows on our official website at www.stoopradio.com. And it's all there. There's some blog posts by Jeff and myself, mostly me, because Jeff doesn't like to write. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He just hasn't had the chance to. Um, But you can listen to all of our shows. And I'm talking about our first show with Lilith, last week's show with the legendary Keith Shockley and writer-producer Ian Holt. Keith Shockley, of course, being from Public Enemy. Um, You know, go back. Kevin Sorbo, who played Hercules, he was here. Author, entrepreneur, bajillionaire, and good friend of ours here, Jesse Itzler. You can listen to that show. Donica Knight, Madeline Victoria, Xander Demos, uh, our good friend Ed Roman, who we've had on here a couple of times, our good friends in Adrenaline, the rock band, always here. We have some good times here at The Stoop, and we want you guys, our listeners, to to help us if you can. I mean, you're doing a phenomenal job of listening to our show, but share our show. Share our website with your family, with your friends, and see if they like our show as well. We'd really appreciate it. Um, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash stoopradio, or you can hit us up on Twitter. Yes, we are on the Twitter, as we like to call it here. At on the, the Stoop Twitter. Radio 1. Yes, on the Twitter. We're on the Twitter. On the Twitter. We love Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. We're on the Twitter, there, but Oh, God. We're on the studio right. on the Twitter. I'm going to see you on the Twitter. Well, it was an amazing show here tonight, Jeff. Uh, once again, I want to send a huge thank you to uh, actor Peter Cambor for joining us and talking about, about roadies, about Grace and Frankie on Netflix about NCIS Los Angeles, about this new movie he's filming about September 11th, which you can check out by going to his IMDb profile. Or, you know what? Follow him on Twitter because he's really cool, man, at Peter Cambor. And we hope to have him back with us in the real near future so we can talk even more roadies. And we can just talk to him because he's he's just an awesome guy. He has a lot of good things. We can talk music with him. We can talk lots of cool things. So we will be doing that in the future. You know what time it is, Jeff? It's about time that Monday comes to an end, my friend. Uh, that kind of sucks being that it's Thursday, but uh, okay, Thursday's coming to oh, an yeah, end. Oh, yeah, Thursday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez, I, see, I, I don't know where I am. I don't know where uh, I am. No I show Monday? That. No, no show Monday. Um, no show Monday? No show is past no, Monday. past Monday. We had no show. That's why no I show. thought we were in Monday. No, I know... Uh, I'll be in uh, Virginia Beach this weekend, and uh, I can't wait. I'm going to get out to some uh, sun and sunshine and bright beaches and uh, a lot of bars, drinking it up. So uh, by the time I get back on Monday, I'll be well-rested and crisp and ready for some uh, Diane Franklin and more stoop. And more stoop. I love that. More stoop. And that's what we're going to do here. So remember, uh, this upcoming Monday, July 25th, actress Diane Franklin will be joining us to talk about Better Off Dead, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, her acting career, um, 80s in the Sand, which we heard from uh, actress Deborah Foreman when she was here just a couple of weeks ago. Diane Franklin's a big part of it, and we're going to talk to her about that as well. So it's going to be a great, great show Monday. Once again, thank you to Peter Cambor for joining us tonight. And just like that, the stoop is over this Thursday night, not Monday, Thursday night. (laughs) But we will be back I it was Monday. Yeah, me confused here. I, you know what, man? I, I don't know why I thought it was Monday. And uh, after I get off the show, I think I am uh, gonna go to sleep. Um, I think I need sleep. Yeah, sleep. Never heard of it. Oh, I keep thinking back to uh, when we had Monique Dupree on here, and she said she sleeps what two time, two hours a day? I think it was something like that. <laughs> yeah, but that's why she lost her mind. And that's true. And it works for her. It works in every Just way. Get a movie. Uh, you know, we love you here at the Stoop. Um, that's right. Man. We love you. 
You still need to. You know what? I'm actually going to hit her up on Facebook before I go to sleep tonight. I'm going to ask her, did you actually get some sleep yet since you did our show six <laughs> weeks ago? And just see if she actually got some sleep. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, so to all of our amazing listeners, thank you so much, so, so much for listening in tonight. Uh, once again, thank you to Peter Cambor. And uh, join us Monday night with Diane Franklin from Better Off Dead, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and so many other great movies from the 80s and some TV spots as well. So for my buddy, the shark, Jeff Perini, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thank you for listening to The Stoop, and we will see all of you Monday night. And remember, don't be a douche. Good night. <laughs>